Wise Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility welcome to the Wise Wise podcast I am Aaron Keith hello everyone Alexander here and we have just come off a really cool event that Alexander has uh, put on. It was Alexander's Sound Journey and Ecstatic Movement, which was uh, a new a new type of uh, event that you put on, Alexander. Yeah, it's the first time that uh, I had brought this one out, and I was excited about it. I put a lot of work into it uh, to introduce people to listening to music in the tuning of 432 hertz as opposed to 440 and um, I took him down from vinyl to cassette tape and we had about 25 minutes of uh, recorded music and freeform movement and then we did a sound journey of me playing instruments from all over the world for about uh, 45 or 50 minutes and so it was a, a great event and I think it was very well received. So you can stay tuned to Alexander's website at thejustphilosophy.com for more events like this because you do have a multitude of events that you're going to be rolling out or ones that are already currently in the the rotation. Right? Yeah, we got a lot of uh, new things coming up. We're going to have some emotional release classes, some classes on human design and the destiny card system, the astrological systems that we use in this philosophy and uh, many more consciously parenting kids, more self-growth techniques. Yeah. Uh, but today, today we're going to bring, bring back a topic that we've touched upon on some past episodes, but maybe not to the extent that we hope to today. And it does involve relationships and things that you may, you may have heard be thrown around in relationships. Maybe you've done it Maybe they're part of your relationships. Um, and we're co- talking about sacrifice and compromise. And these are very interesting. This is uh, an, uh, a conversation that I love to have because I feel like sacrifice and compromise are so ingrained in us, in our culture, especially with relationships. And I've always felt like there's something not right about it. Uh, but I've never known what, what it is. And I love having these conversations where you bring out another perspective to consider in what we already have in society, society's view of these things. And it allows people to really think about, you know, what their intention is in their life and their relationships and consider both, both perspectives and, and sure. maybe think about which one is best for them. Yes. Yes. And that's what we, you know, here on the Wise Wise, we are just uh, bringing a different perspective and not saying that it's any uh, more important than anyone else's perspective, but it is at least consistent in this philosophy. And the way we're going to look at both sacrifice and compromise, you know, was brought up in a class that I was holding this past week. And a lady asked me how I viewed sacrifice in relationships. And The conversation just really started out with, I don't see where that is necessary or useful in a relationship. And I also shared that this is possibly the only time that I cursed at my mother. It was because she was trying to share with me that relationships are about sacrifice. And I just simply said, no, that's the blank that you were taught, mom. And you accepted this role and you have sacrificed a lot. But I said that it breaks my heart at what you have sacrificed. And of course, she looked at it at a different view. But the position we're going to take from it here is that this sacrifice or compromising is a is a frictional view. And as long as you have the perception that involves friction, you are depleting your energetic system and it is activating normally your emotional level. So again, we're talking about overall wellness, which equates to the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual all being and operating optimally or smoothly together and being fed somewhat equally. So after I explained that 
you know, if you look at sacrifice is a major resistance, like someone wants their partner to go to their parents, say, for a holiday get-together. And the partner may not want to go, but they say, okay, well, I'll sacrifice and go to this if you will go do this with me in two weeks. I call it let's make a deal type of relationships. And I'm not saying that anyone that operates in within that system is doing anything wrong. That's your choice. But I'm bringing a view that if you have that resistance, then normally that person will go, but they'll stay in resistance while they're there. And then they will feel like their partner owes them something. So all of these are like heavy emotions to be carrying around. And this is how it depletes our our energy, our energetic field, which makes our physical body more susceptible to illness or to injury. So as I was explaining this, another lady in the group spoke up and says, well, what about compromise in relationship? And I said, once again, I don't know that compromise is necessary in a conscious relationship because a conscious relationship means that you love the other person the way they want to be loved, not the way that you want to love them, and that you communicate in a way that you always have their best interest at heart. And we call it for the overall good of everyone involved. In that type of connection, there are no real compromises or sacrifices because neither party depends on the other for their level of happiness. This is where we share love rather than depend on each other for love. But we should be able to generate our own happiness through the pursuit of our personal wants. But there's, it's no one else's responsibility to pay for or to be part of producing that. If they do, then it's a bonus. See, and if they do, this more than likely costs they want to, and it's not a sacrifice or a compromise. So even if you're working with the view that we come together in relationships to, you know, do things with each other, and it's not always going to be what we want to do, well, this is the next level I want to look at is that if you do it, then shift your perception to want to do it to while you're there that the energy you're finding a way to feed that energetic field. One tool that I use a lot in my life because I've been through a lot of death and a lot of loss is I can shift my perception really quickly by considering what if I could never do this with this person again? What if they passed and I couldn't do this? Then I would give just about anything to go to this family gathering with them today. And see, all that's happened is a shift in perception. As we're talking about this, these two subjects, uh, I just want everyone to continue to just expand your view and listen to the way that this is connected to overall wellness and how it can actually stimulate a relationship to be stronger. Well, that was uh, definitely an excellent foundation for the conversation that we're having today. Um, there were a lot of things that I'm, I'm over here busy writing all kinds of notes in my in my notebook because now I have a lot of questions to go back and maybe jump in deeper into each little section of of that statement that you just shared. Wonderful. Uh, so first of all, how old were you when you said that to your mom? I would say I was probably about uh, in my early 30s. Okay. So and was, me and my mom had okay. a really, really great relationship. So, yeah, over probably 20 years ago. Okay. Because I was thinking like you were like 13 right. and saying that because you were like talking about the swear words. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So when we're talking about sacrifice and compromise, is there a difference in definitions? Well, I think so. In most people's minds, uh, compromise is more palatable than sacrifice. But they're very similar in energy uh, drainage from, my, from this view. And that's the main thing that I want to bring across because many times people will 
justify, and there is a difference between sacrifice and compromise. You know, it can be logistically seen that sacrifice is in pretty much complete resistance, and you almost feel like you owed something back. But compromise seems to be a little bit softer where that's a little bit more of a, well, this is justified or it's, it's not that big of a deal. So I think it's we're just seeing them as a, a more harsh uh, way to say it with sacrifice and then maybe a more soft and gentle, more accepting and palatable way to say with compromise. But I want to look at their similarity too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because when I hear sacrifice, I also think of, like, somebody being a martyr and, like, falling on their sword for somebody where it's, like, an extreme owing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that can take that uh, word, you know, way above compromise, which seems more of almost like you were talking about uh, an agreement. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like sacrifice maybe when it's seen at that extreme that it can't be paid back to where compromise is a little bit more of that hey, let's make a deal. I'll compromise and do this for you if you will compromise and do this for me. And again, uh, that may work for uh, for some couples, and there's plenty of couples that are trying that out there. I don't know how well it's working, but um, normally one or the other has a more dominant personality, and it's not so much uh, tick for tat, so to say. It's, uh, it's wopsided on one side. And... That's where you get into fair and unfair and resentment and these types of emotions. And so what I'm talking about is how to stay away from the resentment building to where that can tear down to people that love each other. And as I've said many times before, in intimate relationships, especially cohabitating relationships, um, respect may just be more important than love because once the respect is lost, and this is where when you're in a let's make a deal kind of relationship, you're you're gambling with losing that respect very quickly once things get out of so-called balance. And this, I mean, this is a great conversation because so many relationship experts, I mean, repeat what you said, which is relationships are about sacrifice. And, and I feel like that is the view that most people have been trained to have, influenced to have, like we've talked about influences, where if somebody went out there and and looked at relationships on their own, they'd probably be more inclined to not think that way. But because, you know, this is like a mantra that we're fed all the time, Mm -hmm. we think that that's what needs to happen. Well, and I want even want to come in here and say that let's give them that, that relationships are sacrifice. So here we're talking about conscious relationships aren't about sacrifice or um, the let's make a deal mentality. So that's what we're trying to get across, that if I want to go out and do something, it's not my partner's responsibility to go out with me so that I can have a good time. I should be able to go do that and have a good time and my happiness not be dependent on the participation of my partner or not. This is where we get into, you know, restricting people and people actually shifting and changing. And through the human design and the cards, there are certain people that are more susceptible to that. So uh, so we just want to bring this to light that this is a different way of approaching relationships. Yeah, excellent, excellent point. Uh, and, I, and I'm glad you, you did reroute it that way because we are talking about overall wellness. We're not talking about how all relationships need to be because if some right. people don't want a conscious relationship, then, you know, they're, they're certainly more welcome to do whatever, whatever they would like. Sure. Um, and I, so I would like to bring up, um, what to you, what is a conscious relationship? Can, can you define that for us? Well, I think it is one where you start off with the overall good of everyone involved and in any action or verbiage that you use, you're always considering that. The other step is that you love the person the way they want to be loved instead of the way that you want to love them. We normally love people the way we want to be loved, and most people don't stop to look at that. But if you're really looking at the definition of love, of going above and beyond the average, 
then why wouldn't you want to give somebody the type of gift that they would want rather than the type of gift that you may want? So, so shifting that perspective and see, and then you don't get into saying like, oh, I sacrifice uh, to give her flowers every year for her birthday because that's important to her. See, that shouldn't be a sacrifice. That should be a loving action. Another part of it is that fact that both parties understand that your happiness is your own responsibility and that we share happiness, but we don't rely on each other's participation to find that happiness. It's really a more responsible way of approaching union to where you're truly responsible for all of your own baggage and history and working through the emotions that are connected to all that as well as generating your own happiness. And if somebody's not working on their own baggage or working to generate their own happiness, what they're going to do is they're going to be projecting all of that onto their partner. And there's not many partners out there that can fulfill that that duty. Would you say uh, the authentic self comes into play here? Would you say that in a conscious relationship, both people are working on becoming their authentic selves and then they're coming together to share. Whereas if we bring in sacrifice in a way, are we talking about somebody has to sacrifice like a part of themselves to, yeah, to stay mean, together? I would say so. And, you know, in all of this just philosophy and the wise, wise commentary, it is about bringing ourselves to that authentic self. And that is part of supporting somebody to be, you know, who they were divinely designed to be rather than how who we want to manipulate them to be so this gets into you know some people are here to play a more supportive role in a relationship and some people are here to play a more leading role it's not that everything has to be equal for it to be considered conscious but what it is is that both parties understand their role and both parties are completely content playing that role whether it is follower or whether it is leader or whether it is equal, those uh, significant details aren't as important as that both parties understand their role and their partner's role, and they are very happy for those roles to be the way that they are. And that doesn't mean that those roles can't change through conscious communication at any time. Those roles can certainly change. So again, a big part of this conscious type of relationship is communication. And the very first step in conscious communication is having a same language that you're able to use. And that's what the Just Philosophy has been designed for. And I did want to bring in because sometimes when the word uh, authentic or you know authentic self is brought in, sometimes... Uh, there can be a perspective that is brought in where somebody's emotional reactions are them being their authentic selves. And I did want to bring that up because in a conscious relationship, you know, we wouldn't be taking out our emotional reactions on each other, right? Right, right. And and to accept the that the emotions are there is very important and that they are so-called real. Yeah, to honor them. To honor them. And respect them. But to say that they're part of our authentic self, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that because our authentic self is free from all of that weight. Yet we've got to go through the steps of processing to release it. So while it's in us, it is part of the development of the authentic self, we can say. But it's in the release of those. And we can, in a conscious relationship, really help each other with that processing when we're not projecting it onto each other. But when we're communicating to say something like, I'm really sad and I'm missing my brother today, and I just want you to know that. And so if I'm a little bit short or snappy, that's what's going on. And then the partner's able to say, hey, thank you for letting me know that. Let me give you a hug. And let's start out this day, you know, knowing that you are supported. And so... That type of communication is all that's needed. It doesn't mean that no one can be emotional or that that 
one person's more emotional than the other and that's not fair or any of that. It comes down to the communication and the proper release and time to be supported in that. So uh, so I think those are important points. And when it's, when it's expressed like you were just um, explaining, both people are getting what they want. One person's getting heard and expressing their their emotions and the other person is getting clarity on what could be bothering this person. And it didn't have to divulge into uh, somebody feeling kind of down. So they may interpret some actions of the other person in a different way and then may lash out because uh, they think the other person should be sensitive to something that they haven't even expressed to them. So, so we can avoid all of this uh, friction, unneeded friction and, and the tearing down of a relationship just by, you know, communicating like that. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but our culture hasn't supported just the communication of emotions. It's supported to suppress them and to run from them or hide from them from medications and those types of things. So I carry a lot of compassion for, you know, everyone listening to this because it takes everything we're discussing here takes a, a lot of practice and a lot of patience but the very first thing is that you are accepting of yourself and of these emotions and that they're not judged and ridiculed, that they are embraced, but realize that no one should be subjected to them. So this is why the communication and the ability to feel supported but not take on somebody else's responsibility of their emotions or to take on the the projection of them. And so that very first step of just realizing that our emotions are our own responsibility and that people in our lives, our closest relationships, are going to play the roles to bring those emotions up of things we haven't dealt with from the past. So that's uh, you know very, very important to, to understand from the beginning of thinking that you want a conscious relationship. And when we talk about becoming our authentic selves, my, the idea that comes into my head is that both people are self-sustainable. And I, and I know that that is not realistic here. And what I'm, what I'm talking about is also from like a security standpoint. And we have many people still in traditional roles in their relationships where you have one person who earns the money, one person who takes care of the home. And in that situation, how does that dance work where if we are looking at uh, compromise and sacrifice, you have two people doing two totally different roles. And I think sometimes one uh, I guess if there's not a lot of communication and and time spent um, acknowledging the other person, there can be some resentment where one person feels like what they do is more important and brings more to the relationship than what the other person does. Yeah, and this is where being clear in what your role is as an individual and in what your role is in this union and does those roles match up? If they don't, it's going to create friction down the road. So just like in this same talk, someone asked me, you know, when I was talking about me being a queen of hearts birth card, and that's the loving mother card. But here I'm a male raised in the South by masculine parents. But life taking my wife at the time away when the boys were 15 years old See, life was the training for me to to be given the opportunity to change the way that I was approaching to raise them, which I started for four years from 15 to 19. I just had a motherly approach to help make sure that they stayed balanced as they grew up. And then now that has become, that turned into my profession and what I do for people is help them find their way through whatever obstacle that they're going through presently. So when somebody said, asked the question and said, well, is that what, you know, every queen of hearts, like their path is to like be of service to people like this? And I said, well, no, not necessarily. Like I could have chose to been a stay at home dad and taking care of my personal children and my wife gone off and made the living 
I said, but see, that's another type of queen of hearts action. And I would have still been fulfilling my so-called destiny or opportunity. But that wasn't what I chose. I chose to go into developing this philosophy while I was raising children. And they were some of my biggest teachers, of course. So how we play these roles is, yes, if somebody really gets fed off of being like in front of people, being a teacher of lots of people, and they're stuck at home just raising one or two kids, they're probably not going to be satisfied. Some people are the breadwinner and making the money, but they really wish that they could be home with the kids. So again, if your role is in alignment with your individual self and the the wants and the desires connected to that, then these so-called what looks like is off-balance is in perfect balance in the union. So that's where it has to be broken down once again to how the relation how successful the relationship is going to be is very dependent on how the two individuals feel successful in the union of the relationship. And that's normally connected to if they weren't in that union, would they be doing the same thing each and every day? If the answer is yes, then it's probably a harmonious union. If the answer is no, it's probably not a harmonious union. And I brought that up because it does seem like in most of those situations, there is some reliance there. And I feel like if we, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I, th- when I think about authentic self, I know it doesn't mean independence, but we did bring up in a conscious relationship, both people should be somewhat, you know, growing towards their authentic selves, but also independent of each other. And when you bring in reliance, you're bringing, I would have to think maybe attachment in. Well, I mean, so, you know, let's look at that a little bit deeper. So the reliance is part of the union, like union or partnerships. And that doesn't mean that both parties should make, you know, $30,000 each to be fair, because one party may make the 60 and the other party stay home with the kids. But the most important thing is, is those roles that they're playing in alignment with their authentic selves. If it is, then there's no problem. There's no imbalance there. So earlier, I think what may have gotten confused is self-sufficiency is important when meeting someone, that both parties are self-sufficient at that stage. But once you work into a union and you make a decision that, hey, if you play this breadwinner role, I'll play this stay-at-home role, and this fits into my design, that fits into your design, okay, this is all conscious. We're moving forward in a very communicative and constructive way. But what I said is each individual's happiness is their own responsibility. So see, if both parties are in those roles and they're happy in those roles, then it's likely to be successful. But as far as at that point entering into basically a business contract, a union together, then those roles can be very different and both parties be completely fulfilled in that. I think my thought process around this question is possibly if one person, you know, uh, became unhappy with the role suddenly and they, I guess in a conscious relationship, that would be communicated and it would be attempted to be sorted out, you know, within their communication. Sure. But I feel like there may be some resistance or some loss of freedom if somebody was the person taking care of the children. And what if they decided to split? Then that person uh, may, it may be harder for that person to walk away consciously because they then rely on that person for the money. Unfortunately, in our society, it is like that. Mm-hmm. And like money seems to be over any other sort of uh, attribute of a relationship. So in that instance, I could see how maybe it could turn into attachment if if it's handled a certain way and, and happiness drops on one level and then it maybe it becomes an unconscious relationship if people aren't 
uh, you know, consciously communicating properly, you know, all the time. What we're getting back to here is uh, that authentic self. And you're talking about people changing their minds or changing, wanting to change their roles. We'll see if they're connected to their authentic self, that's not going to be the case. They're not going to change their mind one day that they all of a sudden want to have a job and they don't want to be raising kids. That's not likely. It's normally the change comes when people are playing a role that they don't want to be playing, but they played, let's make a deal. I'll do this if you'll do this. Then, yes, at some point they go, okay, I don't want to, I don't like this deal anymore. I want another deal. That's the let's make a deal type of relationship. And why the conscious relationship is outside of let's make a deal. It's no, I'm, I'm doing what I feel God-driven and divinely guided to do, and that's what I want you to be doing. And so we're not just going out getting any kind of job or any kind of career. We're going to live our lifestyle in a way that you can do the type of job that makes you happy if you're the one working. Or if both of us are working, then like it happened to be when I raised children— then it was a conscious decision made to neither one of us to work over 30 hours a week. So I knew that I could work just about any job 30 hours a week to make money while I was developing my philosophy and doing my own individual work. So that's what I agreed to. And fortunately, um, my partner at the time felt the same way. And she was used to working way more than that, and I was too. So it was a big, it was a relief, but we chose to be together as a unit with the two boys. And so they didn't get all the material things that some of their friends did, but they always had me and their mom there partaking in whatever they wanted to do. So this is where getting back to the, yes, changing the mind normally happens before people find that authentic self and hear in the philosophy, we also talk about the three main questions of who you are, what you're passionate about, and what you exemplify. Those three questions I still can't stress enough about is so important to both the individual and the couple moving forward in any type of uh, conscious relationship or, you know, uh, self-discovery work. So what I'm understanding is to really partake in a conscious relationship both people should have a really deep understanding of who they are and where they're going and maybe, you know, have answered those three questions to prevent the possibility of it changing down the road. Yes, yes. Or otherwise, you're just rolling the dice like I see most uh, couples do. And they go, many of them say, well, yeah, things aren't perfect, but we'll work it out down the road. But, you know, if you would just... When you meet somebody, if you in the beginning would invest time into self-development studies and learn each other and, and learn more about yourself and continue to develop your lives in the directions that support that, then from my experience, it's just going to be more likely to be fulfilling on all five of these levels that we keep bringing up. And if it's not fulfilling on all five levels, there's going to be disharmony. And wherever there's disharmony, there is friction. And wherever there's friction, something is growing. And normally it's not what we want to be growing. And so people are either growing closer together or they're growing apart. But growing is always going on. So this is once again why I bring it back to why not grow in the direction of your authentic self and find somebody if you're looking to partner with that fits into that uh, partnership in a well-rounded way, whether it is in extremes or whether it's more in balance of both parties working and working a certain amount of hours or one person works to provide everything and the other person takes care of the household and the kids. There's not necessarily a right or wrong way, but it is the communication and the dedication to the authentic self. All right, so let's go back a little bit and where you said sacrifice and compromise are a frictional view. And we talk a lot about friction. Friction is needed for growth. Mm -hmm. But you also say lean into the friction. And so I've heard both of these so many times, but a question that I've heard from a few people 
is the confusion between those because we talk yeah. about sacrifice and compromise being frictional and how they're not a part of consciousness or conscious relationships. And then leaning into the friction is something that we may do to create growth and get towards consciousness. So mm-hmm. can you yeah, uh, distinguish those? So what we want to do is we want to generate the friction within ourselves, but not where other people are concerned. So when I use the term lean into the friction or make love to the friction in your life is whatever you resist. Like if a child is scared of the monster in the closet, we ask the child to work to get over that fear by opening the door, shining a flashlight in, showing them, working with them over a number of days or weeks or even months to get them over that. But see, they have to be willing to work through their fear. So that's all we need to do as adults is do the same thing you tell your children to do in their bedroom, but you just expect them to do it because you know there's not a boogeyman in the closet. But every adult's carrying around fear. Every adult is carrying around anger triggers from their past. So leaning into the friction is leaning into when you want to get angry that you use a pillar, one of the five pillars in the philosophy, to bring you back to center. Anytime you're sad, that you accept that sadness and you allow the sadness to to wash through you and over you. You lean into that friction and you allow it to process. And then again, you use one of the pillars to bring you back to center. So see, the lean into the friction is about emotional processing and not projecting onto others. When I say... You know, stay away from anything that's frictional because it's going to grow. If you're developing something with another human being external, then any friction that you create with that person is going to grow something that's not beneficial for the two people as individuals. So there is a time to lean into the friction in life. That's when you're well-rested, you're well-fed, and you've, you've got energy, extra energy to put into that. But if you put into energy into uh, arguing with somebody, trying to prove your point, trying to get them to see your point of view, trying to get them to blah, 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 you're constantly wasting your energy. So it's very important what is being generated. And internally, when we work on our, our emotions to not be as reactive, we're generating internal growth. But externally, we're generating friction that is going to create disharmony, which is going to more than likely affect both parties in a negative way. And if we're leaning into the friction externally, and it is creating disharmony, it's then creating more disharmony internally for us. So it's like doing the opposite. Yes, it's doing the opposite. And so just like, you know, with everything on this planet from the view of polarity, and this is one of the pillars, polarity versus duality or choosing polarity instead of duality, that polarity is that acceptance that there's always a so-called right and a so-called wrong time to utilize anything, any tool, any energy, any verbiage, and that everything has a so-called positive effect and a so-called negative effect. And while we don't get into good and bad and right and wrong and positive and negative the way that other people do, is very important from the view of polarity. So again, there's a right time to lean, or let's use the term useful. There's a useful time to lean into the friction for internal growth, and then there's a non-useful time to lean into the friction where someone else is involved. And then when we bring back in sacrifice and compromise, This is something that I learned, again, that has been very instrumental into understanding this philosophy is it's about how it's affecting you when we're talking about whether to do this or not. Like uh, how I got that lesson was around uh, willpower versus trust. And I couldn't understand which one you were supposed to use. But then when I finally listened back to like one of the episodes like for the fourth or fifth time after three, four years of of being into this philosophy, it finally clicked with me, which is, you know, it's all about how it affects you. Because if it's creating friction internally or 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 disharmony internally, then it may be time to look at going or switching into, into a different role. One. So so now if we take that perspective of how is this affecting you, 
when we're bringing in sacrifice and compromise, if, like you were saying before, if you can adjust your perspective so that a compromise that you, let's say, agreed to with your significant other, um, and it's and it doesn't affect you because you you take on the perspective of really being in the moment when you're doing these things. And maybe you really don't mind doing whatever it is that you compromise doing. But then I guess there is that other end where you have to also, for the benefit of everyone involved, is the person that you compromise with, are they, is it affecting them in a negative way too? Because if you're in a relationship, you want to care about how each person is being affected. Yeah, right? because if it's, you know, if it's accepted, then it's not a compromise. I think that's what needs to get clear because I think people are trying to use the term compromise when they're saying, well, okay, well, I really don't mind doing this, but, you know, and I'm I'm just really suggesting to get rid of that but and just go, you know what, no, this isn't a compromise. This is part of being a union, and I want you to feel supported in this way, and I know and I trust that you will support me in ways that I'm looking to be supported. So, Feeling supported in a relationship is extremely important. But again, we don't have to associate compromise and sacrifice with that. It should be because that's what we want to do. It shouldn't be like a parent's idea when they talk to their friends to say that they sacrifice or they make compromises for their kids to take them to basketball or baseball practice. That's not truly helping optimally their child they they should be relishing in the opportunity to be able to do that again most of the time it's just the way someone is choosing to look at it because they're going to do it they're going to take the kid to basketball practice so rather than having the view of this sacrifice and this compromise and that they'll probably never appreciate this or pay me back for this like get rid of that way of thinking and just being gratitude that that a you have a child that's healthy enough to play that sport and that you're in a position to where you're healthy enough to take them to that sport and that's one of the biggest things i wanted to get across in this short podcast about this subject is the power in just changing your perspective and utilizing the idea of loss or death can really help uh some people get to that place of gratitude and that happened to be a tool that worked for me and other people use other things to get to that gratitude but this is just one i wanted to bring up and suggest so i wanted to dive a little more deeper into how we shift our perspective and take on a a different way of looking at these things like you said that we're going to do like if you're a parent and your child plays sports you're not going to decide well i'm just not going to bring them anymore you're going to still do it. But if you're, you know, if you're complaining about it all the time, that energy is, you know, feeding into your children, it's feeding internally into you. So how do we shift our perspective? And I did also want to bring in, um, like I have in the past around this subject, which is the movie Scrooged or Scrooge McDuck, where, where he has that lucid dream where he is visited by the, I think it was three ghosts and they show him, what his life would be like or or even different parts of life as they are now where he sees how uh, Cratchit is living, you know, barely making by, but he sees what a good person he is and how he treats his family. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of sees like the future without him or something like that. And it just, when he wakes up on that Christmas morning, he's so excited to be alive. And, and then he's so motivated to go out and share that, that joy that he has. So I'm going to go into just maybe an expansion. I think you're asking on how to shift your perspective. This is the one potential free will that we were really given, that no one can really shift our perspective for us. But we shift our perspective through many different things, such as education and through experience. And I happen to say that I use death to help shift my perspective or the potential of that with my imagination because it can help me personally reevaluate and see clearly what is truly going to matter uh, down the road, something I may be making a big deal of now that just really isn't going to matter. So it helps me to prioritize my so-called wants. Now, If somebody hasn't been through a lot of loss or a lot of death, then that tool may not be useful for them. 
The true purpose is to do it for yourself. So what? however you're using your mind to shift that this person is important to you and whatever is being asked of you, it could be just to take out the trash. Again, I like to use the imagination and anything that I need a little bit of extra push to do. I just consider what if I couldn't? What if physically I was limited in my movement and I couldn't do something as simple as take out the trash? So see, that's kind of like a way to move toward a gratitude, to use gratitude to stimulate. Because that's what you're looking for is stimulation through whether it's laziness or just uh, resistance. And inspiration is almost always needed. Many people will use approval for that inspiration, and that's where they fail a lot. Because if the other person doesn't recognize that they did this, then they're going to stop doing it. See, they weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it for that ego or that recognition. And so whatever way you do utilize to shift your perception, realize that it's for you. It's not to get something in return. It's to hold your vibration at a high vibration while you're going through this experience. And that's going to feed everyone involved optimally. Thank you for that answer. I really feel like that's going to help a lot of people. Can you add to that, like on a physical level, the step-by-step of kind of retraining to do that? Like, so if somebody like the parent bringing their kid to sports practice uh, has that emotional reaction kind of come up where they they are kind of just don't feel like it and they they feel that start to come up mm-hmm. like what's a step by step that they can do okay well one what one the first step is to recognize the resistance and then lean into that friction and this is where we say make love to that friction invite it in and say okay well I don't want to go today well why is that okay well maybe I don't feel good like you said Okay, again, why is that? Did maybe the person drink too much the night before? Did maybe they stay up watching a movie too late? Have they not been resting? Have they not been feeding themselves proper uh, food on a timely basis? Because normally if a person is tired or exhausted during a day, there is a realistic reason or pattern of why that is. And that needs to be acknowledged and seen to be corrected so that they don't continue to fall into this uh, situation. But once that recognition is seen, then this is the next step is for you to use your perception or your mind to inspire yourself in another way to basically change your attitude. And that is shifting your perception of something. And it's not from this perception to like just be positive all the time. We suggest here many, many times to just work toward neutral. See, working toward neutral, and when you get to neutral, at least there's not a drain. So it doesn't always have to be that you're just constantly raising your vibration. If you can go through your day without dropping or lowering your vibration, that's going to be a huge success. So after you shift that uh, perception... Then when you're in the act of doing it, you resonate and you relish in that perception that you shifted to be very happy to be able to, like I said, be physically able to take that child to the practice, to sit there while they're practicing. And rather than think about all the things that you could be doing, think about the joy of seeing your child be able to be active and be healthy, like utilize the natural TV show that's going on in front of you in a way to be in gratitude. And see, that utilizes your opportunity to be fully immersed in the experience. And that's going to help you the next time that you have that feeling of you don't want to participate or something, that you can reflect on that experience that you had. So see, this isn't uh, psyching yourself out or psyching yourself up. It's authentic feeling and seeking out gratitude through this act rather than staying focused on your preferences. Wow. Okay. Well, I feel like we've given people and even I'm like a little 
wowed by you know kind of that explanation because I, I can feel how that is going to help people understand what we're talking about here on a, on a whole nother level. I think we've explained it really well. Mm. And, you know, even being around you for almost five years, I, I'm, you know, I'm still continues to developing. Yeah, no, I'm still, yeah, Yeah. I'm still loving our conversation. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's leave it off there. Um, and, uh, I, I really appreciate this conversation we've had. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com dot com slash patron that is w-i-s-e dash w-h-y-s dot com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as itunes or facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listeners words we are also on most major social networks so follow us along there or even join our facebook group community Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment and sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.